today's episode of Real People, Real God, Misu and Lindsay begin their Through the Bible character series with the story of Adam and Eve. They'll examine how God revealed himself to Adam and Eve and how eating that forbidden fruit fits into the single overarching story of the Bible. This is me, Sue. And this is Lindsay. And we are back with another episode of Real People, Real God. Welcome back, everybody. So we're glad to join. you could join us today. Lindsay, how's your day going? It's going pretty well. I've been busy running around. I'm excited. I'm about to take off for a short little family vacation trip. So I'm excited, but I've been busy, you know, preparing for a trip. You got to get all the things done in the world everywhere. So I'm just running around a lot today, but it's a pretty good day. How about you? How's your day going? Oh, it's gorgeous here. It's 85, sunny. Mm. Yeah. In rainy Washington, it's 85 and sunny. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Gorgeous day. Gorgeous day. So life is good. Well, let's dive into this new Bible study today. We're going to start a new Bible study series today. Misu, why don't you tell us all a little bit about that? I'm really excited about this. Is like this is my this is my soapbox. I am so (laughs) excited about this series. Uh, This is my theme for life. The Bible is one overarching story mm. the whole thing cover to cover i love this about god's word and um it just has su- hundreds of subplots that all relate to that one central story and mm-hmm. so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about all those little subplots and how each of those characters studies um relates to that one central story so this this series that Lindsay and i are going to do is going to take us oh, probably a year yeah we're gonna Um, take a while (laughs) yeah yeah but i'm excited about it because Mm -hmm. we're gonna get to study so many fun characters in the process um and you're actually everybody you're gonna get to see how jesus shows up in the old testament and Mm -hmm. we're gonna basically this overarching story of scripture is all about god's desire to reveal himself and to relate to us it's that simple that's mm-hmm. what the whole Bible is about. It tells mm-hmm. that one single story. And all of this, the, the other subplots and all of the characters in the Bible are really just a way for God to illustrate that point. And so as we look at those characters and, and those subplots in this one big story, we're going to ask of each of those characters, we're going to say, okay, what is the real, our real God doing here in this story? And then what are these real people doing that are interacting and reacting to God as Mm -hmm. he's, as he's revealing himself. So by discovering the way that God revealed himself and related to biblical characters, we're going to learn more about how he reveals himself and desires to be in relationship with us. And our first subplot, as you might imagine, is going to be Adam and Eve, because that's where we're going to start the series, because we're going to start at the beginning. Yes? Yes. We're going to start at the very beginning. It reminds me of, you know, Julie Andrews' Sound of Music moment. Start at the very beginning. Are we going to break into song now? (laughs) I'll try not to break into song, but yes. I'm not going to do it. No, no. We are going to begin at the very beginning because that's a very good place to start. Um, so we're go. going to begin with 
the story of creation and the first real people who we ever see interacting with this real God, and that's Adam and Eve. So this may be a story that many of you are familiar with, um, but we're going to ask our two specific questions about it to enlighten us a little bit and see what we can discover about it. So with that in mind, first of all, Misu, let's talk about what is our real God doing in this story? At the very beginning of time, the beginning of the beginning of all things, what do we find yeah. our real God doing? What's he doing? Well, some of you will be very familiar with these words. words. In the beginning, God mm -hmm. created the heavens and the earth. And, uh, you know, his spirit hovered over the deep and those deep, dark waters. And day one, he speaks and light is created. Day two, that's when the waters are separated and he creates the sky. Day three, he creates land and sea and the vegetation, the seed-bearing plants. Day four, he creates the two great lights in the sky mm -hmm. to designate time, and he, and he creates the stars. Day five, that's the water creatures and the birds in the air. And then day six, man, he is busy on day six. Yeah. Day six is when he gets all those creatures moving on the ground and the livestock and the wild animals. And then he begins with humankind, and he creates man and woman in his own image. Um, but, you know, he, he kind of stops at, at man for a little bit, and, and he kind of has this little moment with Adam before he mm. goes on to Eve. And I love, I love Genesis 2, 8 because, and 9, because it tells us what God does with, with Adam right after he, he creates Adam. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and he just, he plops Adam down right there in this gorgeous garden that he had made for him. And I just see this, this image of, of God making all these preparations. And then mm. he created this precious man and he put him down in this absolute, beautiful, perfect, precious garden that he had made just for him. Hmm. And he shows him these two trees. And then in the next few verses, he says, now, now listen, you are free to eat from any tree in this entire garden that hmm. I've created just for you. But there's this one tree, just the one that you can't eat from. And it's called the knowledge of good and evil. And you can't eat from that one or you'll surely die. Now you don't know what die means, but that's okay. Cause you don't need to know. Just don't eat hmm. from this one single tree. Mm -hmm. And then, I love this, God realizes at that point that Adam needs a helpmate. And so he brings the animals to Adam for Adam to name. And so now, tell me, Lindsay, what, what, what do real people start doing on the planet, on this, in this perfect garden that God's created? What yeah. do people start doing? What do we yeah. Do? So he's finally created them and he's brought Adam to life and he gives him some instructions. Like you said, he gives him some purpose, some things to do. Um, and one of the purposes that he gives to Adam, first of all, um, is to name the animals. It says, it tells us in Genesis chapter two, that he brought the, every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens. And he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. So he gives, he gives Adam this purpose. And I think this is just so cool that. 
God gives yeah. him a job to do. And, you know, not only a purpose, but a purpose that looks strangely like God's purpose. You know, in this story that we've seen so far, what has God been doing? He's been creating. He's been dreaming up things and bringing them into existence. And then one of the first things he gives man to do is a job creating. Adam gets to be creative oh, yeah. and create something that never existed before. Names for all of these that's animals. Awesome. That's That's yeah. really cool. And so it's this, to me, that's cool because it's our first experience of living out this made in the image of God. You know, you talk oh, about how yeah. God made them in his image and that they, they were made like him. And it's, this is the first, one of the first instances we see of, of human beings doing anything on the planet and what they do is like what God does being like our creator. So I think that's really cool. And I think that's something um, just to, to pause for a moment and think about our lives that we can do to interact with our creator, because we just like Adam and Eve are made in the image of God, not just they, but we also, and if creativity is a way we can connect with our creator through, through creative practices, what are some ways that we might do that in our lives? Misu, what kinds of creative things do you like to do that help you connect to God? How do you express that part of your, your image of God that you've been made in? We, we know that you like to write, but are there other things you like to do or mainly writing? How do you express that you know, part I think of yourself? For me, probably the writing. Yeah, yeah. I think the writing, but it goes beyond what, what, what y'all see. Um, <laughs> for me, I, I feel closest to the Lord when I'm journaling. So mm. I, I can journal to him and, and write to him in my journal and things come from the depths of me that I didn't even know were there until it's scrawled out on a page. Mm. So the creative things that are inside of me sometimes can't even come out until they, they're written down. Yeah. So for me, it, writing is definitely a, a creative thing that comes from my creator that oftentimes I offer up to my creator. How about mm. you, Lindsay? What what kind of creative things do you see in yourself that that mirror your creator? Yeah, I I really like building things or just putting mm. things together. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't often build things out of scratch from just raw materials, but even just putting things together that already have all the pieces and the parts, and I just have to assemble it. I really just I really like taking separate parts that go together in some way and putting them together to form something new, to form yeah. a whole and a complete. And I don't while I'm doing it, I don't think I usually think about like, oh, I'm connecting with my creator. I'm living out this part of sure. my, yeah, my sure. you know, made in the, being made in the image of God. But maybe, maybe I will start thinking in that way because I think that's mm-hmm. just a really cool way that we can connect to God and mm-hmm. we can relate to him and interact with him is through doing the things that he does, participating yeah. in, in that. So maybe now from now on, sometimes when I'm building things, I'll think, yes, this is getting to express creativity like my creator yeah. who made me. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. So that's one of the first things that we see um, the, the real people doing in this story. Um, one of the first things is that Adam gets to name all the animals and be creative. And then you talked a little bit about how God gave them some instructions and um, he gave them, here's the whole garden. Here's all the trees. Um, here's this great gift. And 
you can use it, you can eat of it, you can partake of it, except this one tree. So he's done some of those things. Um, before we get to, you know, we all know, okay, the story of Adam and Eve, there's a sad part coming. <laughs> there's yep. a part that's coming up soon of what the humans, what the real people are about to do. But just before yep. we get to that part of the story, um, let's look at one more thing that our real God does as a part of this creative process to kind of cap off his creation Misu, what does our real God do at the end of all that? You know, he does one of my favorite things. He takes a nap. No, probably yes. not. He, yes. Probably not exactly a nap. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking our God originated naps because yeah. day seven, he, he didn't just rest on day seven. He blessed the seventh day. Yeah. And rested. And, he, and I, I love that. He blessed the seventh day. And, and he, he made it holy or he, or he set it apart. Mm. And I think that's cool because he would have rested with Adam and Eve on that mm. day. And yeah. what a sweet, sweet picture I think that is that, you know, that, that sixth day when, when after Adam named the animals and then realized that Adam didn't have a helper and didn't have a, a counterpart. And so God created Eve then, and, and Adam said, whoa, yep, that's the one. She's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And so then on that next day, they just they just fellowshiped together. They rested together. Yeah. I, I love that part. Um, yeah, maybe I'll then, start setting apart my, my nap time to the Lord, too. <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll now consider my holy. naps a connection yep. with the Lord when I take a nap. Lord, bless my nap time. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then I love that the next thing that we see him doing is he walked in the cool of the evenings with with them. Hmm. And, you know, I don't know how many evenings they walked um, yeah. before. Oh, dear. We, it's coming, isn't it? Oh, that sad thing that happened. But we don't know yep. how many evening walks they had before the the hard thing happens here. Um, yeah, but it could have been yeah. any number of any number yeah. of days or days, or weeks, weeks or months, months or years. Yeah. I, I we don't yeah. know how long it was. Um, and probably when we talk about the story of Adam and Eve, we don't really dwell in this moment very long. This idea of God resting with them on that day and then walking with them in the cool of evening, just enjoying that sweet fellowship together. You know, we, we read the story yeah. of creation and the fall and we quickly get to like God created it and then the humans wrecked it. And and we don't dwell yeah. in this this little section here of God resting with them and and dwelling with them and being walking with them in the cool of the evening. Um but as we as we talk about how does our real God interact with real people, this is an important moment in the story of what God mm -hmm. does with them. It's very good to note and to sit here for just a minute and think about the fact that he walked with them. He was near them. He was close yeah. to them. He was with them. He was next to them in the cool of the day. You know, think restful walk on a cool summer evening after a long day of good, hard work. Like, like that's what this is a picture of. And, you know, that's a yeah. joyous thing. And this is, this is God and man. We're enjoying that for who knows how long. It could have been quite a while, many days, many weeks, yeah, many months. Yeah. It's just a great image to think of how our real God relates to us. I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think we can really appreciate the fall unless we can appreciate this, unless yeah. we can appreciate how, how tender and how sweet these moments were mm -hmm. with God. Um, and, and I also don't feel like we can appreciate that may not be a great word to use there but 
maybe understand the severity of our sin mm-hmm. even today unless we uh, uh, understand or um, experience sweet fellowship with God when we're right with him. Yeah. So yeah. our sin, un- unless we understand the separation, um, neither the the time with him or the separation is as severe or as wonderful if, if we don't see the, the polar, you know, the poles of it. Yeah. It makes me, it it makes me want to pray a prayer for all of us right now. Oh Lord, give us more times of sweet, wonderful fellowship with you that we would be able to know a picture, a picture of what that is like. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I know we won't really know that perfectly until the end of time when we're with him forever, but Oh God, would you give us all more instances of, of walking in the cool evenings in the garden with you and that kind of sweet fellowship with, with you, God, that would be great, great prayer for all of us in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now Lindsay, it's up to you. Tell us, tell us what, tell us what these real people do. Oh man. Go ahead. Well, like any of the rest of us who are real people, they mess it up. Oh man, they wreck it. Uh, They do. Yeah. So, so we see, um, we see this picture of God has created this place. He's given them a purpose, given them instructions, all these things. And, you know, after whatever amount of time of, of walking with God and enjoying this fellowship with God, um, they have a they have a conversation with a new character in the story. There's a new character that enters the story, and it's the serpent. Um, and he has a conversation with them. He talks to the woman, and he's talking, and, and are you really not supposed to eat from that tree? And how about let's just from try it tree. once. <laughs> right, right. He says, from any tree. And she's like, oh, yeah, we're not even supposed to touch it. What? What? Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. He could, he, you're right. He just he he weaves <sighs> these lies and these temptations in there and and confuses her until she's like, okay. And so she eats yeah. the fruit from the one tree that she wasn't supposed to eat from the one, one. tree. And it's one. just such a sad story because it's <sighs> like you had one job. <laughs> you guys <sighs> had just one job. <laughs> One rule oh. to follow. So many things you were permitted to do. I don't think we think about that here. You know, we think they yeah. were set up for failure or something like that. Like, they, they were, you know, eating from the tree. There were so many trees, so much fruit, <laughs> so, so many, many things trees. they were permitted to oh. do. But this one you were not. And and sometimes I like to look oh, at this story. Oh, but does one forbidden thing look so good, though? Yeah. <gasps> Absolutely. And sometimes I like to look at this story and I go, why, Adam and Eve? Why? Like, how could you? It's just, you know, just the one rule. But then, but then I look at myself and being a real person too. I think that's me. That's all. That's me also. It is like exactly like you said, that enticing sort of like, oh, but there's that one thing. And then, and then you're having a conversation with another character who's not God who says, maybe we could try that. And I think maybe I could. And this is my story too. This is why we can relate to the people of the Bible. um, Because I'm the very same way. I would have eaten that fruit also. I love um, one of my favorite singing artists, Sarah Groves. I love her music. And she has a song that mentions this. And her line in this song, I just love it. She says, if I were honest with myself, had I been standing at that tree, my mouth and my hands would be covered with fruit of the things I shouldn't know and the things I shouldn't see. And I think, yep, 
that's that's me i i would have i would have done that also and i think we can we can relate to these real people that idea of one rule to follow and maybe it should be a simple one but but we don't follow it and even with something as small as um you know breaking the speed limit not driving (laughs) the speed limit and a simple rule this should be a simple rule to follow (laughs) Uh am i I getting into (laughs) i mean this is something it's just a small thing and it's you know it's seemingly innocuous it's just a thing like that but it's just one rule Mm that yeah. none of us none of us can really follow um and everybody it, does it so yep yep and mm. and did they really say you can't go that fast what did they say would happen if you went that fast and i mean and again it's it's one of those things where it's seemingly innocuous and it's not you know doesn't seem that dangerous or that that hard um but that's one thing like you have one rule it should be simple and you can't you can't do it um so i think we can all relate to this Here's the test, Lindsay. So yeah. I'm, I, I've got my, I've got my uh, cruise control on and it's only five above the speed limit, right? right? It's only five, right. five, you know? And so I, I whiz by a, a billboard and there happens to be a policeman on the hidden on the other uh-huh. side of the billboard. And so when I whiz by him and I notice him in my rearview mirror, what do I do? You tap the brakes. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly, exactly what you do. That's exactly what I do. So what am I doing? Yeah. I'm hiding from God, right? Yeah. I'm hiding well, my sin. Just exactly. like Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That brings okay. us to, yeah, that's exactly, that there is exactly what it. they did next. So what do we see uh, the real there. people doing? First mm-hmm. of all, they break the rule, they mess it mm-hmm. up, but then it's, it's so interesting. The very next thing they do is hiding from God. It is, it is oh, just yeah. almost immediate. Like yep. it says, it says when they ate the fruit, their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. And so mm-hmm. they, they made clothes for themselves and then they hear God and they hide from him. They just immediately start hiding and they have this almost immediate separation from God, even though he still yeah. comes and talks to him and he's still with them, but in their hearts inside, it, it's like, we see that there's this almost almost unconscious internal need to hide, to separate themselves from God's presence, to to run away from this God that they had they had previously enjoyed enjoyed walking with Him, and they just they hide. Um, and I think it's because you know their their eyes were opened. Um, it, it talks about you know they ate the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, um, and so even though God created a world that was good, we we know that by this point there's some kind of evil that exists in it, a tendency toward evil, a, a possibility for evil and evil that exists. We see the serpent who's lying and who's yeah. deceiving and who's tempting. So something exists. So so when they eat of this fruit, their eyes are opened to the knowledge of good and evil. And all of a sudden they're aware of what their actions were. All of a sudden they eat the fruit. Maybe, I think maybe beforehand they didn't really know um, the implications of their action as this, as they were talking to the serpent. I don't think Uh -uh. they knew. I don't think they did what what this would I, cause or what it would mean but then they but then they eat the fruit and their eyes are open and they say yeah. oh no what have we done we we can have to get imagine, away from here mm-hmm. can you imagine that feeling because yeah. I, I i agree with you i don't think they had any idea what when god said don't eat the fruit or surely you'll die i'm not sure that they had any idea in fact i don't think they did have any idea what he meant by die because there's not a concept for that if the, everything's good and nothing evil and so 
can you imagine though at that point when their eyes were open to evil yeah all they had known was good and now their eyes are open to evil and can you imagine the flood Mm -hmm. that came into them at that moment and the overwhelming just awful feeling i i can't even i go there I think there, I think we all have moments of this, even like there are plenty of things I do that I know going into it, this is the wrong thing to do. And I do it just willingly and with knowledge. But I think there are other things I do and other kinds of sins that I step into that I just don't really fully understand before getting into it, what this is going to be like. I do not understand the implications of this until I get into it and my eyes are opened to the true evil of this action. And then I just go, Oh no. And and then you can't take yeah. it back. You can't reverse it. And and Man, so you're in some, deep. sometimes the first, the, the only instinct then is to say, I have to hide this. I have to hide this from myself. I have to hide it from other people. I have to, I have to hide it from God. I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be this way. So yeah, I think there's a, I just imagine them. It, it's such a sad story here. It's not only sad that they disobeyed the one rule and they broke it, but then what that caused within them, within them, this immediate need to, to just yeah. hide and run away. So, so that's what was happening with the real people. Now let's bounce it back for a few minutes to the real God and talk about what does he do in response to this, in response to this, you know, they have knowledge of good and evil. They did the one thing they weren't supposed to do. How does he respond and what does he do? But maybe, well, since we've been talking about how they feel, maybe before we talk about what does God do and how does he respond, we should spend a minute thinking about how God might have felt, (laughs) how God, how might God have felt like they felt the weight of this. How did God feel the weight of this action? And, and what did he feel about this? He'd given them so many, so many things, one thing they were not supposed to do this precious gift and, and they ruined it and they brought death upon themselves. How do you think that made God feel? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, you know, so many times we look at scripture and we see the, the doing of mm-hmm. characters. We see the doing of God. But the, the point at which we really are shaped and transformed by scripture is when we look beyond just what's written on the page and we begin to, to implement it into our hearts and our lives. And we, to do that, we have to make these people real and make, mm-hmm. the God, make our God real and, and, and look at how they felt what it was really like. And so to put it in human terms, let's, let's think about, all right, God gave them a gift that he had planned. He had created, he had meticulously formed and, and um, spoken into, into being. And it was, it was perfect. It, mm-hmm. And so I, I tried to imagine something that we had done for our girls when they were 13. Um, we we tried to make that a very special birthday. We made it a huge celebration. Uh, we bought them a, a diamond ring for a promise ring, a purity ring, if you will. Um, my husband made them a, a hope chest that was, it was huge, not huge, but I mean, it was pretty large. It was over three feet in length and um, it had brass uh, fittings and mm. leather handles and took him well over a month to do all the woodworking detail on it. And it was just gorgeous. And Mm -hmm. our girls still have those things and they're, they're very precious to them. 
Um, it, it was a huge birthday celebration. It took us a long time to, to plan it and to pull it off. And I, I just, it was a, a real precious time that we celebrated with our daughters and their daddy took them out for a special dinner. And yeah. I mean, it was just really, and I can't it's imagine. kind of like that walking in the cool evenings, you know, that yes. kind of the special yes. fellowship and the special, you know, special time together. Kind of like what we talked about exactly. earlier, walking together, Can enjoying you imagine? that. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if our daughter, either one of them on that evening of their 13th birthday, when we were giving them those things, if they would have thrown the ring back in our faces, if they mm-hmm. would have taken a sledgehammer and, and destroyed that hope mm-hmm. chest, if they had made a scene at the, at the romantic dinner, their daddy took them up. Yeah. Can you imagine? And even, or even not just that night, but even later yeah. on, like even yeah. later on in their life, if they would have destroyed that, or if they would have, you know, just, just thrown yes. it back, even, even now, I don't know if your girls still have those things, but you know, they if do. they had, if they'd ripped yeah. them to pieces, even now, I imagine it would just break your heart. Yeah. In fact, I've put, a, I've put a picture of the girls in their hope chest on my blog. So, yeah. uh, and they, they still treasure them. They're like the centerpiece of their home. They, they mm-hmm. love these these things because they are so precious to them. So, so tell us, Lindsay, what our God does in response to Adam and Eve when they treated his precious gift so badly. Tell us what our God does in response. Well, we see him, I mean, he, at first he, he kind of comes to them and, and he just, um, he starts looking for them and they're hiding from him and, and he has a conversation with them. And what did you do? Did you, do you eat of the free, eat the fruit of the tree that I, I told you not to eat from? Um, but then he starts, he starts doling out these curses. And I think this is one of those parts that's, that's hard for us to read. Yeah. Uh, the old yeah. Testament can be very hard for us to read because, you know, sometimes God, God, gives blessings and God gives curses. And he says, this is what will happen. And it, it doesn't sound very good. It sounds like destruction. It sounds like, like bad things and like, like curses. And so he starts saying some of those. And then, um, and then after that, he also, he sends them out of the garden and it's a, it feels like a, like a sort of a sad ending there. But I know you had, you had some specific thoughts, um, that you had told me before about, about when he's, he's proclaiming these curses um, and also when he's sending them out and what really is in his heart maybe and what he's really doing while he's doing those things. Um, Cause it's hard for me to look at those things and be like, Oh man, this is getting really, really real and really tough um, with what God does here. But you had some extra thoughts about both of those things for us. Why don't you share um, your thoughts on those things? Yeah, this is a section of scripture actually that, um, that brought me to the Lord. Um, Mm. this is where I came to know Jesus Christ, Mm. uh, is from Genesis three 15. And, um, because that is actually where I saw that Jesus was a part of the story of creation. Mm. So when, when God says to the serpent, I I'm cursing you, cursed are you among all the livestock and you'll crawl on your belly. He's cursing the serpent serpent. But then in Genesis 3.15, he's talking to the serpent still, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, the woman's offspring, will crush your head 
and you, serpent, will strike his heel. That last, that last little phrase there, he, the woman's offspring, will crush your head, will destroy you, basically. And you, the serpent, will strike his heel. You'll, you'll injure him, but he's mm-hmm. going to destroy you. Yeah. That's a picture of the cross. Hmm. And it, I don't know if you remember, Lindsay, have you ever seen The Passion of the Christ, the movie that Yeah, it's been out? a long time ago, oh, wow. but I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The beginning of that movie, there is the scene that that movie starts with is a, a scene of Jesus. There's a serpent crawling around Jesus in Gethsemane. And the mm. beginning of that scene, Jesus crushes that serpent's head. Mm. And it is in reference to this verse. And so even though God is cursing the serpent, he is in this verse promising victory to the woman and her yeah. offspring. Even though yeah. the serpent is the one who confused her and tricked her into sin. He's hmm. still promising victory to the woman. Yeah. And then, and then yeah, I want you to make sure you tell us all about the, uh, what happens when he sends them out of the garden as well and what, what he's yes. doing for them there. I love your thoughts on that. Yes. And, and I, I definitely want to make sure that we, we realize that because death did come with sin. And, and God cursed the ground and it's going to be thorns and thistles. And I got to tell you, every time I pick a weed, I, you know, I'm really sad about that. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they weren't going to die. If they would have just kept eating from the tree of life, they wouldn't have mm-hmm. had to die. So death came with that. Mm-hmm. But death actually was a good thing mm-hmm. after sin. Because mm-hmm. had they reached out and eaten from the tree of life, and lived eternally in sin, that would have been a problem. So mm. that is why God banished them from the garden. Mm. So yeah. death actually mm. becomes the, the answer to our eternity. Yeah. Because here's, here's Genesis 3.24. It says, after God drove the man out, He placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth. Why? To guard the way to the tree of life. Because Mm -hmm. God, in his immense mercy and compassion, Mm -hmm. did not want us, Adam and Eve specifically, to go back into the garden and eat of that tree of eternal life and live eternally in that sinful state. Because as long as we could die as mortals and then we had a chance, we had a chance to, to attain to that sacrifice for our sins, which he did for them by making the, the animal skins and, and the blood was shed for their sins yeah. through the animal skins that he made for them. Wow. So as yeah. long as they didn't eat from that tree of life, they had a chance to spend eternity with him. So and that's that's just such an go. amazing, amazing ending to that story. And I don't think, um, you know, un- until you told me that, I had never really heard that, that God, by mm-hmm. sending them out of the garden, was actually protecting them um, yeah. more than it was Not a punishment. punishment. It was a yep. protection, protecting them from having to live forever in that sinful state. If they would have eaten of the tree of life, they would have lived forever in that state. But 
by doing so, he made a way for them. So this is a, a great place for us to end with this story today. Um, and I think we're about out of time here. So I think that's a yeah. good place to end. But we get to end now with that thought in mind that, you know, is this a sad story? Well, not totally. It's not totally a sad story after all. I mean, we did see how they were, they messed it up and they, they did the one thing they weren't supposed to. But um, we see here that there's hope and that what we see from our real God at the end of this story is that he's protecting, he's preparing, he's trying to make a way for them and extending right. already grace and mercy to them. And that's what we will continue to see. Um, as we keep going through more and more of these stories, we're going to continue to see more and more evidences of real people messing it up and real God extending <laughs> further graces and mercies to them in their need for those things and how he's going to set out to... Um, rebuild this garden fellowship that he had with them um, before this betrayal of that perfect gift that he gave them. So we're going to see how he continues to reveal his nature to the the people who show up in this story. And um, next week, we're going to continue specifically by looking at the story of Cain and Abel, which takes place shortly after this, and see what God does there and how he reveals himself to them and how he relates to them. And we hope that you'll come back and join us for that next week. So yeah. Nisu, give us a little quick wrap up of what people need to do and how they can find us and subscribe, things like that. You can find us on my Friday blog at www.misuandrews.com slash blog or you can subscribe to Real People Real God on iTunes on your Android apps or the RSS feed on my blog um, also we've just gotten on Stitcher so if you have the Stitcher app you can uh, subscribe there too. The notes for each podcast are on the blog on Fridays so you can find the notes there if you'd like to to read them. You can also post comments there and ask Lindsay or I questions uh, in the comments. If you have questions for us, we'd be glad to answer those on the blog. And um, we're just glad you joined us. Hope you'll join yeah. us next week. Or actually, two weeks from now, we're on an every other week schedule, so we'll yep. be glad to um, chat with you every other week, and we hope you'll come back next time. And remember, be real. Thanks for listening to Real People, Real God. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We rely on real people to provide feedback and our real God to provide listeners.